Welcome to Chicago's Bravest Stories. This episode brought to you by PSP Academy for your CPAT training. Follow us on social media, our Instagram and Facebook page at trainwithpsp.com. Hey listeners, uh, thanks for tuning in again. This is part two of the Paul Cialino podcast. We're going to talk about Paul's career for a bit. It took a couple of really high profile saves out there in the suburbs. I mean, you wrote in the book that timing is everything. Yeah. And, you know, you even um, you go back to 2013, the Ken Copen, where he says yeah. that police officer. Ken Copen is the acting chief of police, uh, fire department chief of Arlington Heights. Uh, been around forever, was one of the early paramedics. His first cousin was in the first paramedic class in 72. Uh, Copen's a little later than that. His whole career is at Arlington Heights, works his way up to acting chief. In a Ar- but he, he, he helped a lot with the paramedic program. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's one of the first, right? Yeah. Like first two or three years, he's in there. Yeah. In Arlington Heights. True uh, believer, drank the Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, at this point, they see what's happening. And okay. there's a fire chief in Arlington Heights named Bruce Roadwall who is just an apt Vietnam vet, Huey uh, helicopter pilot, Nam. He's a maniac. He shows up. He becomes a chief in like eight years. And he goes, fellas, this paramedic shit, this is where it's at. And this is what we're going to be doing 10 years, 15, 20 years from now. Not going to be about fires Mm -hmm. because we're too rich. We've got too much money, too much zoning, et cetera. It's going to be about medical. And and Roadwall, right, like goes, all right, let let me meet this Zidlow dude and figure out how we're going to get the money for this whole thing. And Roadwall's brilliant and big suburbs. So everything he did, everyone is kind of following after it's initially uh, introduced to everyone, right? Yeah. Uh, Mount Prospect is another one, and, and Rolling Meadows, of course, because Loesch becomes involved, and Elk Grove Village, they, they get big on it. And that's an industrial area, There's a lot of fires and a lot right. of medical yeah. stuff going on. But you guys remember... Uh, up till 1975, 76, everyone's still going, eh, I don't know, There's a lot of liability. We don't really like this stuff. Our doctor says it's a bad idea. The nurses hate it. They were reluctant to fund this. Yeah. No it, one it, wanted to fund Oh, it's more money. Who's going to pay for this, right? right. It, it, was, it, it, it was a lot of money then for a cause they didn't believe in. Right. So No one liked it. It, it, it was... It was a big deal, and and funding throughout this book plays a big part in this whole thing. But if you think about what has an industry EMS right now is a billion dollar industry, oh, you know, oh, like, we're we're at the point where politicians are talking about there aren't enough ambulances. Yeah, there are, there aren't enough ambulances in the city. Well, of Chicago. we go. know that. Has right? a paramedic? Come on, man. There and will I, never be enough. And you know, Correct. busy paramedics in this city are doing more than one call an hour. He's yeah. standing right, you can, you sitting right cannot, there. Yeah. You cannot keep that pace up forever. Well, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have problems. You're going to you're going to blow up your equipment. You're going to burn out your personnel. Well, you've you've, you've, you've talked to, you to these old school. Well, right. you've talked to some of these old school paramedics, and that was back in the day where they had the two man stretcher. They didn't have companies. These guys are beat up. Their bodies are beat up. Yeah, none of these you know? none of these old paramedics. Survived without a lot of scarring. Yeah, they're never. Let's let's not even talk about PTSD, the right. mental stuff that went on. Just the physical, just the physical, the physicality of yeah. that job is brutal. But now, most of these dudes, man, most of these guys look like uh, bodybuilders because they are. They're working their ass off in the gym, so that preventive kind of stuff, right? Yeah, right. 
so that, that they don't get screwed up by the time they're 30 years old. Yeah. Well, and, and ironically, like this is some of the equipment that we've had, you know, when we first, I mean, especially you, Vince, not to call you out, but like when, <laughs> when old. we were getting into, you know, when we were starting our paramedic school, like this was the equipment that was donated, you yeah. know? So like, I'm sure just donated, like you, isn't it? Right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Right. And right? this is like the first paramedic yeah. equipment, right. the first, oh. you know, ambulance equipment that we ever saw was shit that was. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about how far of, we've come now. The national standard are those ambulances that pull the cot into the ambulance. Right, you know? the automatic right. lifts on amp, yeah. you know, stretchers. Right, well, those... You get that 350-pound mom up on that fourth-floor walk. Yeah, it, li- it's not li- good it, for the back. It, it lifts you up, it charges it, yeah. it, it the stretcher, it's crazy. Well, here, here's one thing that, that kind of resonated with me when I was reading the book about Dr. Zidlow's style of teaching. Um, and I just coincidentally happened to be at a library when I was reading this book, and I got to this part, so I wanted to see, like, how bad this was. So... He told his class at one point, and these guys are already like, you guys went to paramedic school. Paramedic school is all time management. It's, it's, you know, especially if you've never done it between your clinicals, your ride time, your studying. And then when you get to cardiac, it's all hands on deck for cardiac, right? right? (laughs) So it's all time management. So he has these guys under the gun and then he tells them, when you guys come back here, I need to know the name of the lead elephant in Hannibal's, um, caravan when the Carthaginians invaded Italy. He would just throw shit like that out. And so I'm like, all right, well, I kind of was like, all right, I'll play. Put myself in like um, one of these 107 that that graduated, sitting in the library doing your studying. Now I got to go find a book that's, because this is pre-internet. I couldn't right, just go on right, my phone. I, could, I, I didn't want to cheat. And I was like, how long do you think it's going to take me to find this information. And I can sit here and tell you, I never found that information. You took your ass to the local Chicago public library. And I wasn't at a Chicago library, but I was at a library. (laughs) All right. I I just happened to be out there. Did you, did you get a card? (laughs) It's none of your business. (laughs) So you think about like, that's how much. And so there was a lesson to be learned because when I started researching that, that particular question, that question isn't about, I really want to know the answer to that. And I, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so um, I, I actually did like cheat and I found it, but then I read in your notes, the real answer, but it wasn't about finding that answer. He just wanted them to kind of prioritize what you had to do. So Stan wanted people to think, right? Right. He wanted people to think and he, he loved people who were curious, right? Who wanted to know the answer to stuff, right? And and, and Stan is one of these guys, uh, literally, you know, had a, had a memory, never forgot anything, right? He recalled conversations 25 years ago, books he read. That's part of his genius. Yeah. And, 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 but frankly, a lot of doctors have that ability. What's medical school? Even paramedic school, memorization, remembering phrases, uh, protocols, medications, what's in the medication, how it affects right. you, et cetera. So Stan, Stan is trying to get these paramedics, these firemen, just thinking th- like medical Just to think right? differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and there's no textbook. There's, there's no course. No one's ever done it before. So he's, he's starting at scratch. Right. And, and, and frankly, he's starting with guys who are clueless. They have no idea what, what they're about to jump into. 
and he's trying to explain it to him. There's there's no go ride with an ambulance. You know, jump on right. the west side of Chicago yeah. and see what they well, deal with every he, night. He okay? had to, he had to change their thinking and right. their mentality from a firefighter to a paramedic. Exactly, and it, it's a hundred percent different mentality. Oh, listen, it, ridiculously different, right? right? And these guys. No, there were no examples, right? There's the, you right. can't call up your buddy and go, hey, I'm thinking about doing this paramedic thing. What do you think? Right. And what they're going to go, the what's a paramedic? a paramedic? <laughs> right. Oh, man, you don't want to do that stuff. Yeah. Get out of here, right? Well, did you know that that question is asked in the Naval Academy, and it's quoted in John McCain's book, and it's a question that they throw at you in any officer school in the military. Well, and Stan, of course, is a, an ex-Air Force officer. Yes. Uh, so so that's probably where he gets it. Or Right, but it—, it you yeah. know, for him to be able to... I never uh, heard of it before dealing with Zidlow. Well, right? the, the answer is, ironically, you have uh, Sura. Sura, or, and it's like translated to the, the Syrian. Right. That's the, and that is actually right. the only elephant to survive, the last living elephant to survive that... Crossing. Uh, that crossing. Right. Yes. And, and, and wow. of course, uh, that's ancient history from, right. you know, 1,200 years ago or whatever. Or red, so... Yeah. So, so Stan was just trying to train them to think out of the box, for lack of a better term, right? And these guys, man, to their credit, and, and I met a lot of these men, uh, unbelievable human beings, guys. Just think of starting something totally new, right? Like, right. Vince, all right, we're going to train you to go to Mars tomorrow. None of us have ever been to Mars and we're going to figure it out as we go along. And, that, and that's exactly what it was. Right. Let's hope right. you're smart yeah. enough to figure it out and don't yeah. blow up the whole program. Whatever and, mistakes you're going to make, we're going to make adjustments after right. you make right. those mistakes. Right. And Zidlow was enough of a street guy and a Chicago guy. Yeah, here, here's the genius, guys. This is a Chicago street guy who's got an IQ off the charts, right? Let, let's face it. We, we know who all the smart guys in our schools were. Right, and women. There weren't not, many of them. Not right? anyone here. We know, but we knew. Whoa, that dude is smart, right? Yeah. And I am really stupid standing next to him or her. Yeah. Uh, Zilla was that guy at the top of the, the the intellectual heap, and everybody knew it. And everybody knew it who was getting this training from him. And these guys, these are tough dudes, man. These guys, the injuries, forget about it. Okay, you know our fat ass, we'd be. We'd be in rehab. <laughs> We'd be on workman's car. Right. We'd be crying for six months, okay? Right. Come on, baby. Yeah. Take care I mean, of me. I can't move today. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these Zillow. are Ke- Right. These are Kevin Casey guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. They're the all fire. Kevin Casey, yeah. right? Yeah. They, they walk right. in the fires with a cigar, and they're like, oh, right. Or a cigarette. They're all right. smoking still. They're yeah. 80 years old. They're still yeah. sitting there with a Winston hanging out of their mouth. Their helmets are all burnt because they can't crawl anymore because their knees and their hips are so bad. Their knees and hips are So they decide, you know what? We're just going to stand up the whole time. Right. And 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 Stan was was Corral. one of them. Except Stan was a fireman with a high IQ, yeah. right? And he's the smartest guy in the room wherever he was at. And and guys, I knew him for years before I knew what he did. Right? I had no idea. He he he's like the guru of this all this paramedic stuff, right? I, I a fire chief told me one time. I'm at a party at Siddle's house, like the tenth one I've been to, and I'm like. What do you know? Why all you firemen hanging out with him? I mean, he's got something for firemen or what? And he goes, "Hey, you know who this dude is?" No, not really. Right. Who is he? He saved my life. I knew that, right? He goes, "This is the dude that created EMTs and paramedics." He said, "We love him because he loves us, and we all we all owe our careers and our retirement funds to Doctor Zidlow. That's why we're here. Wow. Zidlow had no doctor friends. 
Very few nurses. And if they were, they didn't work with him. They were from other places who admired him from afar and, you know, could hang out with him and not get in trouble, right? Zidlow's friends, his social friends, his real-life friends. Detach. Firemen and paramedics, bro. That's it. That's well, who loved him. Well, we were talking about— We're an, ex- we're an accepting bunch. <laughs> we're, you'll, you'll, when, you'll like anybody that brings you a bottle of booze. And, yeah, you know, 100%. Goddamn, goddamn yeah, right. 100%. It's Paul, Paul Cialino. And, and to the tequila from hey, Mexico, oh, gentlemen. Is, uh, Did we pour yeah, another one? Thank tequila. you for having my Who drunk Who snuck ass? more uh, yes. tequila yeah, in my drink, Derek? Appreciate it. All right. It. I think so, Corey's the so. culprit there. Hello. Right. Thank you. Right. Corey's got the biggest glass. Mm. Well, we were talking about the EMS services began— Actually, in your book, December 1st, 1972, at 8.15. Right. But do you know who got credited with the first save in EMS? Well, that's Buffalo Grove Fire Department. Buffalo Grove Fire yeah. Department. Ooh. So and, there's and a little Grove, bit of yeah. paramedic history Ooh. trivia. At 8.15. At 8.15, the we first. We know a couple Buffalo Grove guys. And the, the second save. save was Buffalo Grove Fire Department. <laughs> right? Well, um, let's move up. Uh, let's just flash Fast forward to 1974. So CFD starts hiring paramedics in 1974, right? Oh, only because they got embarrassed into it. Well, uh, that's what I want to get to. How how did you perceive this getting to Chicago? Because the Northwest suburbs had already had paramedics in 72. Right. Two years later, it did. Well, let me tell you, they're getting publicity, and these guys are rock stars, right? These paramedics in the Northwest suburbs, all of a sudden, holy Crap, Stan Zidlow's a genius. Right. He's the smartest guy walking, right? Save after save. And these paramedics, they're like little Elvis Presley's running around. And Chicago goes, we got people dying every day in the streets. Every day. And, fellas, this is long before the violence hits, right? Long before 3,000, 3,500 shootings a year, Right. This is just running in the middle. This is Mayor Daly, right? People are dropping dead of heart attacks, car accidents, et cetera. And they're like, this is bad. We better do something. And they hire a couple guys to be paramedics, right, who are Vietnam veterans. You guys know their names, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. We talked about Pat Morozik, the the great late Pat Morozik. Yeah. Um, And, And these guys show up, and they're like, hey, we can do this, man. We're doing it in Vietnam. We're saving lives all the time. Right, we know how to do this, and so they was got, like the city okay. got bullied into it, right? Or they well, just they got embarrassed, they got shamed into it, bro. Okay. Not bullied into it, shamed. Now, and who they call? They call Stan Zidlow and go, "Whoa, hey, we need a medical director. We need somebody to help us out here." Well, they hired him as a paid consultant. Yes, to now, come right. to the city. The I, had, I had heard a story about Mayor Daly went to like a mayor's conference in Miami, and there was something going on at the airport, and he saw it, and he was like, what's that? And they're like, oh, those are our paramedics. Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck is a paramedic? And they're like, oh, they bro, bro know, that's going to get cut. You know that. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. If, have you heard? Is that no, something no, but for 20 years? They, they got shamed into doing it. Okay. Okay. They, they really got shamed into doing it. And, and CFD, uh, fellas, I, I am the I'm biggest fan respect. of the Chicago Fire Department. I'm respect right. And we can talk about it later, but this is a place where men are still men, okay? The men you grew up with, the men who you adored as a child, who got stuff done, right? This is CFD in a nutshell. But they didn't have a paramedic program. None. Zero. 
And they got shamed into it. And Daly said, oh, we, we better we better get with the program here because we got people dropping dead every hour out here. And we're, we're not doing anything to save them. Mayor Richard Daly. The senior. senior. Right. Um, well, what year you put this on about? This Paul? is in the 70s, early 70s. 70, 74. Okay. Right? 74. And Daly 74. died in 76, I think. I'm home on leaving the Army. I'm sitting in a bar you know, on 81st and Narragansett. And in weird. the back of a CFD ambulance. And he, uh, That's right. <laughs> yeah. CFD uh, tried to save him then, uh, <laughs> just like Harold Washington, too. Yeah. Another dude that died in the back of a CFD ambulance, right? Yeah. Yeah. But well, Daly was at his doctor's office. And, and ironically, who do doctors call when a dude's having a heart attack in their office? 911, we call it paramedics because we don't know about saving this dude. That's that's who the docs call. Even a even a cardiologist today call 911 and hope the paramedics show up. Man, I talk about this on the Chicago Popo Report, my radio show on WLSAM 890 Saturday nights. Saturday yeah. nights. I, boys, <laughs> I talk about this nonstop. Chicago Fire Department paramedics save more lives than any agency in the world annually. If you guys went out there doing what you do every night, every day, the murder rate would be about, oh, I don't know, 3,000 dead a year. Not 500, not 900, not 1,200, about 3,000. And the work you all do now, uh, 2020, right, is uh, there's no other way to describe it but God's work. I have. We're we're glad glad that uh, people with you that – like you with that opinion. If are, they don't know that, there. they're idiots. Okay. Well, here are, because here are the stats absolutely for, a fact. for 2015 that you quote in your book. In 2015, 418 were murdered, but. Uh, light the, year, by the way. Hmm? Light year. Light year. And 2,558 were shot. So for me, as a paramedic, 14, 418 were murdered. Those people who were saved by the fire department are in the 2,500 that were shot. These are critical patients. These are patients that don't fall into that murdered category because of the work of the paramedics, Boys. the fire department, and you know all the ALS and BLS it, companies it, out if there. If it was not for the Chicago Fire Department paramedics, uh, there isn't a politician in this city that could be reluctant one time because you guys save lives like you breathe, like you take a breath. And and that is the genius of this whole program is that what you do day in, day out, every hour, every minute, at every part of this city, nobody appreciates it because unless they're a gunshot victim or a stabbing victim or got hit in a baseball bat victim, okay? And, and, and we can talk about the suburbs. And I love the suburbs because they just don't do it with the regularity that you guys do it. You, they just don't have the crime issues that we have in the city of Chicago. And it is the greatest city in the world, the greatest I, I, I people. I don't think you can compare the two because of the sheer volume. Right, it's volume, yeah. right? It's volume and repetitiveness and what you do from the minute you go to work every day till you, till you lay your head down in the pillow when you get home. Yeah. And, and, and believe me, man, I've spent a lot of time with the suburban guys, rock stars, Saved my life. I'm a beneficiary of, of suburban paramedics, right? Yep. Saved my life. I mean, no question about it. People I know, parents, brothers, sisters. Uh, Chicago Fire Department is a different animal, and 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 what you guys do, and women too. Let's get to and also um, Vince. I thank you for your service. No, Vin, please. You're welcome yeah. for my service. <laughs> thank as you. Always. Thank you, Vince, for your thank service. Thank you for your service. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
Let's talk about Elsbeth Miller. Elsbeth Miller. So she's a big part of your book uh, when we get to the fire department. She is historically the first woman hired by CFD and the first paramedic hired by CFD. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm not sure she's the first paramedic. I think the guys, the Vietnam vet guys. The first woman paramedic. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, first woman the, paramedic. She was the first And the first female hired by CFD. Okay. And, and this is 1974, I believe, right. she gets hired, right? Right. And Elizabeth, this is a great story because Elizabeth, uh, her parents are wealthy people. From Barrington. Uh, well, actually from Connecticut originally, right? And and they're they're big shots. They're, they're happening, folks. They come out to Barrington because uh, of a media job her dad gets. And a uh, daily newspaper out in uh, Northwest Suburbs writing articles about Zidlow. Zidlow's a rock star at this point, right? And, and Elspeth is a uh, ski bunny. She's out in Connecticut. Uh, working for the ski patrol. Uh, in other words, you get injured on a ski slope, Elizabeth shows up with her pals. But Elizabeth is like 15 years old when this is happening. And she's a kid. But she knows, hey, I, I like this first aid stuff. I'm pretty good at it, et cetera. So her parents are here. She's back in Connecticut living with you know somebody so she could ski still and have a good time. And her parents go, hey, there's this doctor out here, a guy named Stidlow. He's training people to be professional medical people. And we think, you know, you'd probably like this. Now, Zidlow's got a policy. I'll train you, but you got to work for a fire department. You got to be. Or police department. Or policeman, right? You got to be police or fire. And she and, got the exemption. Well, this is a great story because this is classic Stan Zidlow, right? Stan is not a rule guy. Don't care about the rules. Stan cares about results, right? And how deep into the new program was he? Well, in? it's about two years, right? Okay. It's about a year and a half, 18 months or so. Elizabeth Miller uh, hops on a plane from Connecticut, comes to Northwest Suburbs, drives up to Arlington Heights and goes, hey, my mom and dad tell me you're training people to be paramedics, whatever the hell that is, and I think I can do this job. And Sidlow says, well, I only train people who are fire or police personnel, and uh, do you work for fire department? She goes, Hey, Stan, Dr. Zidlow, ain't no women, no woman anywhere working for a fire department. What are you talking about? He goes, well, what do you do? He goes, she goes, well, I go to high school and I work for the ski patrol. What's the ski patrol do? He goes, well, somebody gets hurt. We ski down and pack their ass up and take them to a hospital. He goes, eh, close enough for Good me. Enough. Go home, <laughs> Perfect. Go home, pack Perfect. your shit and get back here. I'll, I'll put you in the course, right? So Elizabeth Miller First female ever trained by Zidlow, right? And he trains her up and he goes, ooh, different animal, this one. She's good. I like her. And so Zidlow, she's tra he's training her and he, she's clearly a rock star at this stuff. She, you know, she's got the stomach for it, man. She's got the gonads, bro, right? And he's like, Elsbeth, uh, what are you going to do when I finish training you? Well, I don't know. And she's riding on private ambulances and she's hanging out and you know, clearly she's heads above most of the guys in her class, which is now the third or fourth class at Zidlow's training. And he's like, hey, I don't know where I'm going to put you or how I'm going to help you out. And she goes, well, you know, just train me. So right. he trains her. And, uh, and and Elizabeth's hanging out on private ambulances and stuff. And she, she sees an ad in the Chicago Sun-Times or somebody sends her to ad and says, Chicago Fire Department hiring Looking for paramedics, trained medical personnel, et cetera, et cetera. All right. She goes, she sends in an application and she gets the letter back. D 
Dear Mr. Miller. Dear sir. <laughs> Dear sir. <laughs> sir. Dear sir. Dear sir. Hey, we'd like you to take the test. Okay, you expressed interest. So she shows up, and she's the only female there. Now, by the way, I'm writing this book, as Stan always told me. There's this woman named Elizabeth, or he could never remember her name, right? <laughs> and I'm, like, looking through all these records and all historical documents, and I'm, like, I'm looking for a name. Right. And I call Chicago someday, and, and someone says, oh, you're looking for Elsbeth Miller, right? And I go, well, that sounds right. Or something like that, right? Right. And all of a sudden, I find a record. says uh, two or three classes into the initial class. And there's Elsbeth Miller. Bingo. Like all 90s, 95s, 98s, right? <laughs> Elsbeth Miller, clearly by everything I'm reading and hearing about, is like, I, I got to find this chick, right? So, And, and Dr. Zidlow, who <clears throat> at this point, a couple... Uh, Maybe a couple years in, yeah, in a couple this years program. in the program. Like he's learning as he goes, you know. And and to his credit, Doctor Zidlow, you know, he's he's coming out with a curriculum while trying to figure right. out what the fuck is going. Yeah, on. Yeah, you know, and Zidlow's the kind of guy. Listen, I don't care if you're white, pink, black, blue, green, female, male. You could do this job. I want you on my team. That's right. Stan. Right. That and 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 really, guys, that's the way it should be, right? In yeah, life, so, in absolutely. General. And and now, pretty much. I don't even know if it's like that now, but but Elspeth Miller, there are no uh, she. What sort of she? She paved the trail. Well, there's no females ahead of her, right? right. She she paved paved the trail for Paramount, and and she is like, hey, hey, I'm not a dude, and I don't want to be a dude, but I can do this job, right? And everybody's going, "Eh, no, you can't, you can't do it. Okay, you, honey, go go have babies, go have a family, don't bother us. And I'll just like, hey, you know, fat boy, right. get out of my way. Right. Because hey, I can do this stuff. All right. I well, can save well, life. Right. The, Paul the, kind the, of alluded to what a badass uh, Elsbeth was. But to illustrate that, this was the test back in 1974 that she got called for. Yeah. So because she was the first female, there was a lot of fanfare around her testing process just because she was the only female. But, that, that, let me interrupt real quickly because prior to taking the test, she gets called down to City Hall. And the deputy uh, fire department commissioner goes, hey, honey, what, what do you expect from us? What do you want? Oh, okay? yes, right. yeah. What do, you, what do you need from us, okay? Right. And Elspeth, right, is like, hey, uh, you know what? I don't need nothing from you. Let me take the test. Yeah. Okay? If, I, if I'm not good enough, see you later. I'll go back to Connecticut, but I don't need nothing from you, dude. Just let me have an opportunity. She just wanted the same shot that everybody else got. Right. And guess what? And no she, chicks well, have had that shot, right? Well, she got it. Nobody. And then, and then some. Well. So she goes, she, she shows up for her test. Yep. And it's, do you, you know, like how we have this, the, the, the staircase that's like where we do up and overs? Yes. That, so. We couldn't do that shit the, right now, the so four of us. Okay? There was a five, <laughs> there was a five story. <laughs> Not, now. Not now. Yeah. Like staircase. That she had to take the stretcher, those two-man stretchers with a partner, go up five stories with a plywood box that was supposed to simulate a QRB or a, their version of a monitor at the time. And you got to the top of that fifth floor. Inside this bathtub, simulated bathtub, was a 180-pound mannequin. You had to take that 180-pound mannequin, put it on the stretcher, 
then you and your partner and that plywood box had to come down those five stories. All right. So she does this. She gets to the bottom of the stairs and the chief of training at the time doesn't believe that she actually accomplished the test. So he comes back within this, within the hour, she's doing the test again. And he's like, I don't believe that you passed this. I want to witness it myself. Everybody, everybody there is going, Hey, this chick passed there was, that there test, was man. 20 people right. uh, uh, officiating this, this particular test. And he's like, no, no. I want to see it myself. So with no time to rest, in the same hour, so uh, in your book, you put that she goes out in history as a person to taking that that test twice. Maybe the first one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Maybe, Maybe the, the only, only one. one. Right. Yeah. yeah. So she does, so, you know, he's like, you can either leave. Right. Or you can right. do it again. Yep. And she's like, fuck it. I'm I'll doing it again. Right. again. I'm, I'm not going, going home. I, but, hey, but, I couldn't and imagine. It's a, what and it's the... a time test. So she takes it again and her time is even faster. <laughs> So How badass is that? That that is as badass as being ski patrol. I mean, more. I mean, like, well, I couldn't imagine being a ski, ski patrol well, itself. The is, ski patrol, in Paul's opinion, is what allowed her to be so good at this test because her legs were so strong. Uh, absolutely, uh, uh, Elspeth uh, was a rock star physically, right? And and Stan and Stan and I talked. This is a great story. Stan can never remember Elspeth's given name. <laughs> you, my, you know, my first, my first chick, my first female, and, and Stan's wife remembered her name. Okay. Joyce Sidlow would go, Paul. That's Elspeth, and Elspeth is a very unusual name, right? It's a different. It's a German spelling of Elizabeth, basically. Right. But Elspeth is this. She's this like total one hundred and fifteen pound badass, right? She bench pressing two hundred pounds and skiing. Got. Got legs like cut marble. And who's the deputy superintendent, Vince? Albeth or what's his name? Albright. Albright. Right. Albright is like, F this broad. We don't need no women here. Okay. And Elsbeth is like, dude, give me a shot. Okay? <laughs> I, you don't want me fine. Great. And, and right, subsequently takes the test twice. Twice. Yes. And same day. Same, same day, right? Within the, and within the hour. And everybody's there like, not at Elspeth Miller, man. She went in there and just kicked the yeah. shit out of that test again. And I and I tell you, I meet Elspeth Miller after she's retired, after she's got a 30-something year career at CFD. She is the nicest, sweetest. Uh, humble. Humble. Bro, great word, right? Unlike the four of us who think we're all hot. <laughs> no. I, know, right? I don't know Not shit. You, so. okay? <laughs> Vince, of course, is saving lives every hour on I the mean, hour yeah. out there. Okay? I mean, I'm, I'm just them, carrying right? it. Yeah, look at Vince. Vince cool. don't say anything like, hey, you know. I, I, well, you know, yeah. let's – so, Elspeth, her career, um, I know that she was at Ambulance 3 with Mercedes. Mercedes for, uh, is a rock star. for a long time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she eventually Where was, went, was ambulance three. The I same? think it was still, it's still on stave. Okay. All right. And so, um, she went to be a commander and then, well, she came, she came, according to your book, she came out of the Academy and she went to the airport. Right. Yeah. They didn't know what to do with her. Yeah. Hey, uh, go out they, to O'Hara. They sent hey, her to there. the airport it, in, right. So in the modern department now, it's unheard of that anybody out of the academy would go to the airport. But they know what to do well, with her, no, right? They're like, the chief is like, uh, well, there's on the good, paramedic side. Oh, on the paramedic Qu side. Quinn right, is yeah, like, uh, we're going to send you out to the airport, okay? Yeah. 
And she's like, oh, okay, I'll go to the You got to have 30 years plus to get to the airport. <laughs> you got to have clout, bro. You know, you gotta, seriously. You got to have your, you got to have the alderman in, in compromising photographs on your phone. If that's you, how you it, get to the airport. If you now. wanted to get to the airport out of the academy, yeah, that's right. pretty much what you have. Yeah, because the airport is choice assignment, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's why people retire out of those and, houses. And I got to mention, Elizabeth said she goes out there and they're all old timers out there, all old Chicago fire guys, right? And she said, <laughs> What happened to me out there is that, that these old timers said, no one ever said you're a chick, you're a female. They all said, hey, Elsbeth, we're going to teach you how to be a f- real fireman. And she said, that's what they did, man. They they trained me up. And Elsbeth is, uh, they chartered her out because she's saving lives at the airport and these executives are, you know, they're falling out and, uh, you know, they did a little bit too much right. cocaine. They're falling yeah, out at baggage they're claim. Private, and yeah, Elsbeth they're, they're doing private. the OCPR and they're going like, oh, Elsbeth. So... This is all prior to us having a contract. This is all. Yeah, um, right. And there was like talk about if you got hurt as a paramedic on the job that you didn't have the same. Well, they lied to them. They told the initial paramedics, right, in the fire academy, hey, you're just like a fireman. You got the same benefits, same retirement, same insurance. Of course, that was all bullshit. They lied to them. Well, so uh, Elsbeth was part of a group that they formed to try to get equal rights benefit-wise. Right. Um, With the firemen. Something trauma. I forget what the uh, Illinois Association of Trauma Specialists. Trauma they specialists. Made up a, they, they created a corporation right. and made up a name, right? That like, hey, you told us this. But in reality, that's nonsense. That's not well, happening. It, it, it proved to be detrimental down the line because- Everybody on that board of that that group winds up getting fired. They fire them. The Chicago Fire yeah. Department fires Elspeth and two other guys who yeah. are paramedics, right? Elspeth's the secretary. There's the president, vice right. president. And, and st- she's still, this is still within her first year and, on and, the job. And they accuse her of not living in the city. That's their basis, okay. right? <laughs> living in a, a one-bedroom apartment up on the north side. She, you know, she's not living anywhere but there. But yeah. they go by her one day and she's not there. She's at the gym or wherever she's at. Right? And they go, well, uh, you're, you're lying about living in the city. We're going to fire you. Well, prior to that, they had got a really sharp lawyer in Chicago. And they tried to fire her for basically exercising her and these other two guys. Go like, you guys told us this, but it's all BS. Yeah, well, they 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 did fire them. Yeah. They go to court as like an $8.9 million lawsuit. Prentice and, Marshall was the judge. And He's the, one of my favorite right. all-time federal judges. And that judge, doesn't he doesn't play ball with the city because no. he's there for life. He never did either. Yeah, he, and Prentice he never Marshall did. Prentice Marshall was a badass, yeah. So yeah. he basically kind of sees through the bullshit that the city was kind of, and he was right. like, these guys are going right back to their jobs. Yeah, the, the, they within didn't miss 24 a day. hours, They right? didn't miss a day. Within 24 hours, Prentice Marshall says to the city of Chicago, ah, boys, Nice try, yeah. But these three go back to work today right. without any loss of pay, rank, etc. And and Elsbeth and the two guys who were paramedics, who were you know basically, hey, uh, just do us do what you told us that you were going right. to do. That's right. all they wanted. That's right. all they wanted. All we wanted was yeah. Problem. They well, don't want anything big, right? They're not Elsbeth. Right. Like, uh, right. you know, I need to not no. not not hammering the lawsuit. Not at just, all. I no. want no. But unfortunately, from. timing wise, they get their jobs back just in time for the strike. Right. So, you know. So it, what do they do? They go on strike. That's right. They go on there strike. Go. Yep. And so, I mean, the strike has come up in this podcast 
pretty much every podcast. Every episode. And there's something that Paul wrote in here that I wanted to read because it. I, I don't think that we fully get to appreciate um, what these guys were doing at the strike. Look at Vince so, putting glasses on. I know. He's, he's old as fuck. Okay. Like, Hawaiian dude. So he's he just such a spectacle. <laughs> so smart. <laughs> as soon as there was a fire or something where somebody was injured, we would jump in our personal cars, drive to that area. If we had a fire, we would go and grab hose lines from the firefighters who crossed the picket lines. There were like a thousand people who came to the uh, strike. They did not know which end of the hose was which. We'd go inside, put out the fire, make sure everybody was safe. Then we would hand the tools back, go to the firehouse, and hold our picket signs. We owned our own fire coats and helmets, but a lot of us were just in blue jeans and gym shoes running into the fire where we were not going to let someone die in our neighborhood because of the strike. And so I don't think people realize that even though the strike was going on, the citizens were still being well, relatively taken care that. of by people, the fire department. People like Elsbeth Miller and and those those men and women who uh bus it that who 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 were walking at picket line and standing outside a fifty five gallon garbage drum burning wood to keep warm out there and uh J- Jane Byrne screwed the fire department. Okay, let, let me say Jane Byrne effed the fire department, lied to them, and they went on strike to get what they should have gotten. Right, and Kevin Casey said it on this show. Right, yeah. Right. Listen, dude. Well, that's part. I of don't need campaign. a new car, but I want to be able to buy tires for my car, right? I or my truck, right? And and I want to be able to uh, buy groceries for my family. And if you need me to die or get eighty percent of my body burned up, I'm gonna do it. I'll do it for that woman whose ass I got to wipe on the south side, who I don't even know. Absolutely right. right. That's what firemen and paramedics in this city do day in and day out. And and those old timers who went on strike have allowed you guys who are on the job today to make a decent living, to support your families, to educate your children, have a decent medical benefit that you deserve. And and, and I want to tell you something from a civilian outside of the systems perspective, uh, you don't get paid enough. I'd, I'd pay you guys two hundred fifty thousand a year minimum for what you do. Um, you do what society will not do to help people. You do it out of the kindness of your heart and because you feel it's like a, a duty or an obligation. Uh, Elspeth Miller and all those early guys and dudes in the union who, who fought for those rights, uh, you're getting paid not what you deserve, but a minimum kind of thing right now. And, and, and today especially it's anti-union and anti-labor. And let me tell you something, man, you dudes... You know, every day, you're not saving lives out there. And a lot of times you're having a good time. Whatever you do. But let me tell you, when that friggin' bell rings, no matter what shape you're in, you guys show up. And unlike the police, I'm going to take some heat for this one. And my partner is a great policeman, Lupe Aguirre. i got to mention him. You don't care if your life's in danger or it's dangerous. You go. And if you're going to die today, you're going to die. But you guys show up and do what you have to do to save lives. And and for the people of the city of Chicago, nobody else does that. Nope, nobody else does that except CFD and the paramedics that work at CFD. Nobody does that. I mean, you know, and your fat asses might be ugly and not that attractive, but I, I love you guys like I breathe. Okay, because you show up every day and do what you know. You decided if if I got to sacrifice myself, I'm going to do it for these citizens. 
that are knuckleheads and don't appreciate anything I do. Kevin Casey said it. <laughs> they don't care what I do. You know, they don't, you know, if I need a raise, they don't care about me. But you know what? You guys show up every day and do the job and save lives and sacrifice yourselves health-wise, mental. So, Paul, when you finish toward the, the end of the book, how you end it was amazing to me. And I got to it, I was like, damn it. You know, I, 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 there was stuff that, you know, I was like, ah, I got to get through this. But then I got to the end, I'm like, God damn it, he, he nailed it. So in the end of the book, there's a guy. Um, you know, this guy's trying to, like, sell books, too. No, no well, we're not trying to sell this book anymore. Gonna, 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 yeah, well, when you hear the end of the book, you're going to you're gonna want to buy it. And I, I recommend this book to anybody. Um, you know, I, I at first I was... I was like, oh, I, I got to read this book because we're having our guest on. And once I started reading it, I couldn't put it down. Like, it was really captivating. The way that Paul's talking right now is exactly how he's writing this book. It's like he's reading it to me now that I've sat down and met with him. But um, you know the story that I'm talking about at the end? Yeah, I'm not it, quite sure. Um, well, it's, <laughs> I read this it's, shit it's, about it's, two so years now. Yeah, this guy Mike, who's super fit, he's actually going to O'Hare, or he's not going to. He's at a um, football game, and it this is like not like backyard football. Mm. This is like high end, like college amateur football, yeah, amateur yeah, football yeah. guys. And there's a picture of this guy in the book, and this guy's jacked. He scores a touchdown. He's, and a, he's he, legitimately jacked. He's too. legit. He, like he, he's a long athlete forever, right? Looks like Steve. Yeah. So he's he's not feeling well. He's like out of breath, and he's surrounded by all these people. And he's like, oh, man, I'm not really feeling good. One of the other guys' dad is in the crowd, and he's like, man, you do not look good. I'm gonna drive you to the hospital. So he gets him, puts him and in the car. This, he's this driving. This is happening in Schiller Park. Right. right? Well, yeah. right. And so this yeah. dad isn't from around there, I guess, right. and he doesn't know where the hospital is, but he happens to pass Schiller Park Fire Station. Right. He stops and is like, hey, this guy is not doing good. And so a couple Schiller Park guys come out and they start working on him. They look at this guy and they're like, this guy isn't well. They so throw him. Right. What is the, you can tell right away. I mean, we've yeah. all been there. Yeah. This guy looks bad. Yeah. They throw him in the back of the ambulance. They start working on him. This guy goes into VFib. One of the paramedics on there is this guy who's done this before. He knows exactly what to do. I guess they shock this guy twice, bring this guy back. He does all this ALS care, saves this guy's life. They take him to the hospital. And like this guy is in his 20s. Yeah, he's late like 20s, early 20, 30s. And this is a guy who watches what he eats. He's a rock star athlete. Super fit guy. Word, yeah. You would never pick this guy for a cardiac event, but it happens. No, no. And this paramedic's working on him. They bring this guy back. This guy winds up going to the cath, makes it to the cath lab. They put a stent in him. He's up and walking around. And, you know, they get to talking and you realize at the end of the story that the guy who brought him back, his last name is Zidlow. It is Dr. <laughs> Zidlow's son who saves uh, this guy. And I made a couple phone calls today um, to find out if he's still there and he's still at Schiller Park. He's still fireman there. But he ends, he ends it that way in this book. I'm like, God damn, that's a 
uh, how else wow. could you end this you, book? You can't. You can't. You can't. So <laughs> I, hats off to you, Mr. Yeah. Steele. Well, thanks, bro. Amazing but, way to end that book. And, and I got to say, Matt Zidlow, uh, could have went to medical school. Matt's that smart. Yeah. Bright kid. St. Fyodor High School in, in Arlington Heights. Uh, Butler University. Extremely bright kid. Uh, at the end of the day, man, I want to be a fireman. I want to save lives. Paramedic, fireman. His dad was like, Matt, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you stupid? Come on. And Matt's like, no, I'm going to be a paramedic. And Zam was like, you don't want that job. <laughs> right? He goes, what's the matter with you, son? And, and, and I tell you, anybody listening, Stan's Lidlow. Uh, loved firemen and paramedics more than his life, right? His his life was training dudes up and women to be great paramedics and so- to save lives. That sounds was like job, he gave man. a good portion of his he life give, to that. Well, Stan he, didn't uh, care he, less he, he about actually money. really did because yeah. he yeah. had two heart attacks, three, three and, heart attacks, and, and, and two he was, open heart surgeries, and he was brought back by yeah. Zidlow Paramedics, right? Uh, a couple times, right? Yeah, he's he's in the hospital, he's in the living room, you know. Having the big one, and here comes Palatine or whoever where he's living, going and stands like, "Hey, having a big one right now, fellas. Uh, you know, let's let's." Do <laughs> Could what you we imagine do. that pressure? Uh, your paramedic yeah. guy, yeah, who put you through the first training of EMS is sitting there, and he's having a heart attack, and he's and he's diagnosing himself, and he diagnosed himself, <laughs> and it's like. Is this a test? Are you guys messing <laughs> with me? Oh, Are yeah. you? He was such a oh, badass. Fuck, Let's talk about J.D. Giovanni, the, yeah, the, the I, I, Duke I, of Austin, man. The Duke of Austin. This is an early show right now. We're still oh, going. Yeah. yeah. Right? We're on part two, so, yeah. so we're so, really in So Jay is the current ambulance commander of Ambulance 15 on the second shift. The finest ambulance in the city of Chicago. I mean, um, and <laughs> he was one of my instructors going through the academy, and I've paid Jay the highest compliment I think that a paramedic could give another paramedic. And that is if my family member or myself was in need of medical attention and I called 911, I would want Jay walking up my driveway. And I say that without hesitation. And that's how I feel a hundred percent. So Paul actually um, solicited the fire department to do a ride time with Jay and uh, Mike Carilla and took a 24-hour shift. Did did you want to do a 24 hours right off the bat? Yeah, with those yeah, guys? I, I I did, and I uh, th- this came about because I'm writing the book, right? And it, it, and let me say this straight up front: the, the sub- Northwest Suburban Paramedics and Firemen, man, they are the reason you guys have jobs today. They they did so well, yeah, and were so successful that everybody jumped literally internationally jumped on on the bandwagon. So. I love those guys, but Chicago, let, let's talk about Chicago, okay? Chicago is the busiest paramedic system in the country. Day in and day out, CFD guys are kicking it. I mean, everybody knows that. If if you're literate, you're able to read a paper, you look at CFD, man, and these dudes are saving serious lives. So I call up CFD and go, listen, I, I want to be with your badass medic. I don't care where it's at, what what neighborhood, et cetera. And uh, Deborah Ford, who's a boss, right, at the academy, says, uh, I'll get back to you. You want to ride with J.D. Giovanni? Another Daigle, right? You know, one of my countrymen. I'm like, a, I don't want to ride with this dude. We're not, we're not going to have problems if we pair two. Number of them one, any Daigle named uh, <laughs> Jay is suspect, all right? But, but I, okay, I'll, I'll ride with him, so... I, I, Veterans Day, whatever year it was, 2015 or so, uh, I, I go over to the west side. 
uh, Jay and Mike Curlia. And Mike, Mike, of course, hates being a paramedic, wants to be a fireman, could give a shit less about all this medical stuff. But Mike's badass, right? Yeah, Mike wants to live in New Orleans. He don't care about these Chicago morons, <laughs> right? And Mike's dad is a chief in the western suburbs. And and Mike's uh, driving Hillside, with Jay. Huh? Yeah, he retired. Yeah. Hillside, yeah. and now right. I believe he's the chief of Berkeley. Berkeley. He's yeah. a badass, right? The old man is, is a hot, hot, hot shot dude. And and Jay and Mike are they're in a busy ambulance on the west side, bro. They're, they're doing 48 runs a day, right? And so <laughs> I get stuck. I get, I get these two guys, and I'm. I'm about two hours into this thing, and I'm like, you know, I, listen, uh, first and foremost, I'm an investigator, right? And I'm interested in how things work and how people do their jobs and, and what makes people tick, right? And, and what's real and what's honest and what's true. And, and, you know, I love people who save lives. Love them. I love people who self-sacrifice. I'm, at, at heart, I'm a soldier, right? And, and, and most soldiers... They don't fight for their country, the flag, apple pie. They fight for the dude standing next to them. That's what they fight for. That's what they're interested in. That's what I've always been interested in since I'm a young child. And, and as a 63-year-old man today, that's still what drives me is what can I do for somebody else to make their life better? So J.D. Giovanni and Mike Curlia, right? I, I get stuck with these two knuckleheads, these two white dudes on the west side, the toughest part. More heroin, more shooting, more dope, more everything. And, man, for 24 hours, I sit there and witness a friggin' miracle, right? And this is not BS. This is not – they don't give it – these dudes don't care two craps about me sitting in the back of their ambulance, documenting everything, photographing her. It's like I don't even exist. And I'm watching them do their magic, right? And I'm watching them save lives and do what needs to be done. And, and I'm thinking to myself while I'm watching this stuff, this is what it's all about at the end of the day, right? Selflessly serving others. That's what we do. That's what firemen do. A lot of police do. A lot of EMTs, et cetera. We live to serve other people, to, serve, to take care of our bros, man, our buddies, our sisters who, who work with us, right? I, I, I think everybody sitting at this table right now, all four of us, Absolutely self-sacrifice under the right circumstances. Not, not because it's a good idea, that's how we want to be remembered. It's just, it's the people who we are. This, it, our soul, at our, it, it, it our, it our very beginning, man, it, it, at the bottom of our hearts, we're here to help people. When it's right? time to we're not talking about our lives, right, our, our children, our wives, or something like that. But, I mean, you know, I, I'm with Vince, and... And, and we're walking into a situation. One of us is going to die. It's going to be a fight who walks in there. Vince is going to go, man, I'm not letting my bro die. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm not letting Vince go. Vince got two little kids or whatever the case. I, I am, I am going to do what I got to do to make sure Vince doesn't go. And, and that's what most of the people on this job do, right? And this is a Zidlow-trained paramedic. These things were with them originally. And he he fine tuned them, and and all you guys He's you guys are correct. you guys are relatively young dudes sitting here, right? Absolutely. And, but you look at Elizabeth. <laughs> no, it, there's no qualms about it because we right. get accused on this podcast. We get comments. We get accused. You guys are young. What are you talking about? At those people they don't know what they're talking about. And, because, and I'll tell you this: this yeah. isn't this isn't our podcast. This is everybody's podcast. Right. 
This one better be about three hours because the rock star of all guys showed up tonight. Right. I, it, I feel like I'm sitting down with Brad Pitt right now at the Golden Globes. I, I there's there's so many there's I'm so many quite, lessons. I'm not hung like Brad Pitt, but I'm better looking. Okay? This, this whole podcast experience has been a, a selfish thing, so I can have guys on the show like you, right. guys like Kevin Casey, Father Tom, Kevin Macron, Casey, man, Father Tom, well, Mikey Manchester, guys. who I didn't get to play football against, but we played football during the same time, and, and we I get to hear these stories. Jeff Rich. Jeff Rich. Yeah. You know? Jim. So, so it, yeah. it, it, it Vince is still talking about Guam. Like, it's, it means <laughs> something in his life, but it doesn't. But Vince, look at Vince, right? It's, it was very strategic back in the early wars. <laughs> remember that. What, what Aircraft couldn't make it from up, California right? to Japan. That's right. All right? Very strategic. Let's not. It's all right, Corey. Get up in there. Corey. It's Corey's right, got, Corey. By the way, folks, Corey's got the radio voice. Corey's like that God radio what? voice. Okay, so the Guam. That's what gets Corey to leave the room. Guam. Corey's got to go smoke a fucking gotta, Winston. Okay, Jesus. Corey is also the. Uh, he, we, I, we were teasing him about. Uh, I said you, you might have made lieutenant. You're not the fucking lieutenant of the podcast. All right, so know your role. Wow, man, for a fat Irish guy, that's fucking. That's good, right. Bro. I keep these guys in, in line. You need to, right? Because us fat guys. Somebody's got to. Right, we got to supply entertainment. I'm going to smoke, okay? Fuck this podcast. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. You can download this episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and TuneIn. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys, if you're a first responder or you know a first responder that has a story to tell, we'd love to hear it please reach out to us at Chicago's Bravest Stories on Facebook or Instagram. We'd also like to thank the Missing Chums for their musical contribution to the podcast with the song, Yes You May. Hey everybody, it's Steve here. I'd like to talk to you about another awesome company that helps bring the podcast to you free of charge. Chicagoland CPR. It's a first responder owned and operated CPR company. As a first responder myself, I can't express to you enough how important CPR training is for everybody in the community. They offer real customizable world-class education for all their clients. They have a combined 30 plus years of field experience as fire service and EMS educators throughout the Chicagoland area. Chicagoland CPR is extremely focused on providing real-world, no-fluff education, and the main focus is on organization, an engaged classroom, working with students to completely understand the material, getting your uh, certificates out on time, and most importantly, coming to your facility. They offer a wide variety of American Heart Association classes, CPR, first aid, AED, ACLS, PALS, and a full complement of StarGuard Elite, LifeGuard, and Aquatic Safety classes. Our clients include nursing homes, hospitals, long-term care facilities, fire departments, schools, park districts, coaching staff, and many other groups throughout the communities. If you're interested in hosting a class at your facility for your employees, or you have any questions about services and pricing, contact Chicagoland CPR. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, the World Wide Web. I can't express to you, again, how important CPR and first aid training is. They want to hear from you soon. Give them a call. Find them. Let's set you up a class to help save some lives. Also sponsored by Chicagoland Event Medical Services, we are a first responder owned and operated first aid and emergency medical service provider. Our missions protect the lives and well-being of event patrons all over the state of Illinois by providing professional and experienced career EMS practitioners in an event setting. 
Our services are completely customizable to the needs of our customers. Our business was born out of a necessity to provide competent health care providers to both large and small events. We do this by bringing firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, nurses, lifeguards, first aid tents. We also customize your own site safety and emergency response plan, and that information will always be available to your staff. We pride ourselves on providing the best patient care possible to your events.